My name's Dustin, if we haven't met. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, we're in uh, week two of a four-week series on the Psalms, and so that'll give you an idea where to go ahead and turn. We'll be in the Psalms today. Adam and I are covering a different category of the Psalms each week in this short four-week series. Um, it dawned on me a few years ago, since uh, most of these Psalms are actually written as songs, um, that I knew just half of what was going on when I read the Psalms. And what I mean by that is it's a song, but all I have are the lyrics. And I realized that if these were written as songs, there's actually music that's supposed to accompany these lyrics. And as somewhat of a musician, this was mind-boggling for me because I was like, wow, so here are these songs that we have the lyrics to. It'd be like if you, um, uh, this will date me a little bit, but if you go back to uh, even before CDs to cassettes, and I remember buying cassettes and then opening the paper that came with the cassette, and what was inside there? The lyrics, yeah, with usually some cool artwork, and I remember reading the lyrics along to the songs that I had just bought on the cassette, and it would be like you had stumbled maybe into a thrift store and you found a cassette, with a cassette holder like the case, but without the cassette, and you got to read the lyrics, but you had no idea, you had never heard the music before, it'd be just kind of like reading a poem, Right? And I just thought, and again, this is just me, this may sound awkward or silly, but I just thought one of the things that I hope for in heaven one day is to be able to hear the music that was originally accompanying these songs in the Psalms. Isn't that an amazing thought? Like Psalm 23 that so many of us know at least parts of, like what did the original music sound like? Uh, what did it sound like for David to play his harp? And we've thought through that, maybe, that, that this was written, and maybe David's playing his harp, and he's singing this, but I don't think we've ever actually thought of what the composition was like. Was it like kind of slow? And then, especially when we get to some of the psalms here that are there's songs of lament, that are sad songs, kind of like a dirge, and you think, Wow. How amazing would that be to actually have the music, which we don't, and so I can't wait. Uh, that's one of my hopes, that I'll be able to hear these songs, not just with the lyrics, but with the original music, one day in heaven. Let's pray for wisdom and insight as um, we consider the scriptures today. Lord, thank you for the time that we get to spend uh, considering a song today, a song in your word. As we often pray, Lord, by your spirit, would you lead us into all truth this morning as we consider what's here in your word and the scriptures. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Hey, I want to ask us this morning, are we a culture here, not culture outside, not in this valley, but are we a culture here as a part of this church where we can be honest about our struggles and pains and needs? Are we that kind of community? 
Are we that kind of family here? We talk about it all the time, right? As you hear me say that, you're like, yeah, you've said that before, Dustin. That's our hope as a church family, but I wonder if it's a reality among us. Well, not only do we need to be able to voice that sadness and struggle and pain with each other, uh, to be able to be transparent about our great need, but in a sense, as a church and as a group of people, do we know how to express that before God as well? Do we know how to express our sorrow, our pain, our struggle before God as well? That's what lament is in the scriptures. If you're taking notes, if you want to jot something down, lament in the scriptures, it's God-directed expression of sorrow, grief, or confusion. God-directed lament is sorrow, grief, or confusion. It's typically pretty raw and emotional in the scriptures when we see these songs of lament like we will this morning. Maybe what you need is permission to lament before God. And I'll say, we're not real comfortable with lament. It's not preached on very much before. Uh, I remember a year or two ago, um, maybe longer, I can't remember now, but we were talking specifically about lament, and there were a couple of you that said, we, we just don't, we don't practice lament. We, we're not comfortable with it in church or even as believers, and I would agree with that. But get this, about a third of the Psalms could be classified as lament. Do you know that? There are a lot of Psalms of lament, about a third. That's a lot. Here's just a sampling of some lines of lament from the Psalms. We're only going to spend one week on lament when it comes to this series and the Psalms. And so not just that I want to cover Psalm 13 with you guys, but I wanted to give you a sampling of some other lines from some of these other Psalms as an example of lament. I am forgotten as a dead man, out of mind. I'm like a broken vessel. I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which, of course, would be quoted by Jesus later on. Why are you so far from saving me, from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? You know how I know we're not very comfortable with lament? How would you guys react if a few minutes ago when we were praying, I started like this? God, I cry all night, every night. I feel so forgotten by you that I feel dead. What if I had started the service like that? I don't even feel like a man anymore. I feel like a worm, God. That's what I feel like. 
I'm not just a worm, a, a, a dried up worm on the top of the soil, not even a worm in the soil, a dried up worm on top of the soil. That's how I feel, God. Amen. <laughs> I can imagine the reaction, like, be like, is he okay? <laughs> hey, maybe Adam needs to pinch it today. <laughs> Dustin, are you okay? Come on over here to the side. Let's, let's figure out what's going on. But again, a third of the Psalms are lament. So this, this is something maybe we need to lean into and glean from, this idea of lament. So first question we may need to answer, what's the difference between complaining and biblical lament? Because those can seem pretty similar, right? What's the difference between complaining or grumbling and biblical lament. On the surface, they seem pretty similar. We know we're not supposed to grumble or complain, especially to the God of the universe. I believe the answer to this question is the same difference between pride and humility. When we're thinking about what, what's the difference between complaining and grumbling versus this sorrowful expression to God, this lament. And again, I think the difference is The same as between pride and humility. See, a prideful heart would complain, God, I don't deserve this sorrow. Who are you to treat me like this? Versus, God, I confess you're God and I'm not. And can I just tell you, I don't understand what you're up to here. I'm hurting and confused. The difference is maybe a heart of pride versus a heart of humility. Let's get to the actual psalm of lament here and dive in. Psalm 13. These scriptures will be on the screen. You can follow along in the Bible app as well. If you want a good old hard copy right there in front of you somewhere under the chair. There's a common pattern in many psalms of lament. One scholar lays out this three-part pattern. He describes the three parts of a typical lament as condition, and cry, and consolation. Three C's, good outline, good Baptist. Condition, cry, and consolation. Verses one and two in Psalm 13. Let's see what the condition is. And we should note, the condition is usually heavy on the author's feelings and emotions as he describes what his condition is. Psalm 13, verses 1 and 2. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? The phrase, how long, is used how many times right there? Four. Yeah, that phrase is used four times right there. How long, O Lord, in this lament? You've heard the phrase, the saying, time flies when you're having fun. Maybe it's the opposite here, right? When you're not having fun, time seems to crawl, right? And maybe this is similar to some of your prayer. Lord, how long? 
Let's look at each of these statements, these how long statements here, and just dissect them a little bit and figure out what David is feeling here, what he's feeling in this lament. The first how long, he says, how long will you forget me? And if he's saying, Lord, how long will you forget me, then how is David feeling? Forgotten, right? And as we look through the scriptures, you guys know we read this and and we hear David's condition. We hear him expressing how he feels and and maybe immediately some of us go, yep, that's me. Yep, I, I could ask the Lord that this morning, Lord, how long will you forget me? I feel forgotten by you, God. David feels forgotten. The second how long? How long... Will you hide from me? What's David feeling here? Well, well, I think he's saying that he feels alone and abandoned, right? God, where are you? I, I, I don't know where you are. I, I can't see you. I, I can't sense you. I can't feel you. It's just like you're not here anymore. God, how long will you hide from me? What David's feeling, he feels alone and abandoned and maybe... Again, in an honest lament, you would say, that one's me. That one's me as much as I came here this morning and put a good face on and at the heart, that's where I am. The third, how long, is interesting. He says, how long must I look to myself for counsel, for counseling, for direction? And if you are looking for counsel or direction, it implies that you're what? Starts with an L. Lost, Lost, right? And he's saying, how long must I look for counsel within myself? I want to look for counsel in you, God. I want to look for counsel somewhere else other than myself, feeling lost. And then obviously mentions sorrow there, sorrow in my heart all the day. I was talking with someone recently who was just walking through a hard circumstance, a hard season, and they were like, you know, it's just kind of this um, low-frequency buzz. They were kind of explaining it that way. It's just always there. I may not think about it every single moment, but after I have an interaction or when I get alone, then all of a sudden there's that low-frequency buzz again. All the day, all the time. What's David feeling? He feels lost, feels sad, or just sorrow in general. The fourth, how long? How long will my enemy have me? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? How long will my enemy have me? And we say, well, what's David saying here? How, how does he feel? Well, say he feels defeated and captive, right? If his enemy has him, like it feels like the enemy has David in his hands, and so David is saying, I've I feel defeated. I feel captive. And maybe this fourth how long, you're like, okay, that one, that one's for me. That one's where I am. I feel defeated. I feel like a captive. See, we've noticed how David is likely feeling in this moment when, when we examine the condition here, the first part of the lament. In this season of his life, that's how he's feeling. And if we reflect back on ourselves when stuff hits the fan in our lives, when we're in the midst of lament, 
can we just say the way we feel, get this, may or may not be rooted in truth. Just consider it again. When we're in periods of lament, when we would say things like what David is saying here, can we acknowledge the fact that the way that we feel may or may not be rooted in truth? Does it negate the way we feel? But it may or may not be based on truth. Here's what I mean. If I found out this afternoon, right after the sermon, uh, one of you came up and said, hey, one of, someone in our church has died in a car wreck uh, last night. And they told me the name, and I was like, and I, I felt all the emotions of that that you would feel if you've gotten those moments before where you receive news about someone's passing. There are tears, and there's, there's doubt, and there's second guessing of like, oh, I can't, can't, that can't, it didn't feel right. That can't be true. That person's not with us anymore here on this planet in the flesh. And you go through the emotions, and you would feel that deeply. And then about 30 minutes later, that person gets back a hold of you and goes, there's been a terrible mistake. That was not someone in our church family that you knew. Someone still died, but there's not the personal connection that I knew that person. And all of a sudden, there's a relief like, oh, okay, wow. Now, I still felt the emotion, right? But was it based on truth? No. It, so can we acknowledge that just because we feel something emotionally, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's based on truth. See, truth entered into the picture in that scenario, and it, and it affected my emotions, right? The perception needed to change because what I was feeling wasn't based on truth. So, of course, we want our feelings to be based on truth and not lies about who we are and who God is. More on this in a minute. But we should also add, it's not bad to express to our Lord how we feel. That's what we see throughout the Psalms. It's not bad to express to the Lord how we feel, even if it's hurt, confusion, pain, etc. Especially if it's rooted in a heart of humility. And yet we need to consider the possibility that the way we feel might not actually be based on truth. And so let's continue here. This is uh, verses 3 and 4. If condition was the first part of a typical lament, uh, the explanation of how the author may feel, this next part is the cry. The cry is your reaching out to Him, verbalizing your request before Him. And I even just this morning, as I was kind of walking back through my notes, I realized that probably of the three parts of a lament, the cry is the most natural once we get to that point of being able to understand the way we're feeling and then actually cry out. It's the most natural thing a baby does, probably along with eating. It's crying, right? It's just this natural response to discomfort is to cry out. So let's read David's cry before the Lord. This is some incredible stuff here. Verse 3. This is what he cries out. Consider and answer me. And maybe that's your cry this morning. If, if you're in a place of lament, Lord, would you just consider me? Lord, could I just get some kind of answer from you? Could I just hear something from you this morning? Consider and answer me, O oh Lord, my God. 
He's confessing God as his Lord, as his master. God, you are God. Could you just consider my, where I am today? Could you consider my condition today? And then he says, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Verse 4, lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. This is David's request before God, his prayer based on the already stated condition. And so he takes his condition, and based on the condition, he has this cry, or he makes his request known. And it reminds me a whole lot of Philippians chapter 4. It won't be on the screen, but you may recall this. You can jot it down and go study it later if you like. It says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in what? Everything, in all things. And so I would just lay before us, lest some of you in your lament are like, yeah, I get that, but, but my situation doesn't pertain to that. My situation's too big, or this is different. He says, no, no, in everything. So do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, what should we do? Let your requests be made known to God. Verbalize them. Give them to Him. Even if it's in the form of what we would consider to be a cry. Then there's the crying out, raised voice kind of crying out, but there's also cry, cry, right? And Western culture, sometimes we don't do real, real well with tears either, right? About the time we start to cry, we're like, oh, no, no, I'm okay. I can get it together. And maybe there's some freedom. Crying's okay in church too, right? Crying to the Lord. Let your request be made known to God. Some of you are suffering and you've neglected the simplicity of just crying out to God. Here's the main part of his request. I love this. And this is something that we could easily just brush over. He says, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. And then I think this is the heart of his request. This is the heart of his cry out to God. Light up my eyes. And you might have read oh, and just skimmed over that and, and missed the depth that's going on here when he says, Lord, would you light up my eyes, which implies that he's in some kind of darkness, right? That's the no-brainer thing, right? If he's praying, if, if I'm back in the room in our house and, and I say, hey, can somebody bring me a light? No, maybe not a cigarette light. But it implies darkness, right? I wouldn't call for light. I wouldn't call for a flashlight. If I'm down in the crawl space, I've got about this much water in my crawl space right now, as many people around town do. And I was down there the other day, and I, I missed the light switch, and I kind of walked in, and then I was like, oh, i got to have light. And if there wasn't a light switch, I could call out to one of my kids, hey, could you bring me my headlamp? Could you bring me a light? Because it implies darkness. And so can we just say that the implication here for David is that he's in some kind of darkness and he's praying that his eyes would be enlightened. The NASB says 
Enlighten my eyes. In other words, his request is that God would bring light to the dark. Show me the enemy's lies and reveal your truth. Lord, would you shine light into the dark places, the places where I, where I lack truth or understanding? Show me the enemy's lies and reveal your truth. This is really similar. Again, love when we can, uh, we can refer to other scriptures that point to the same truth, much like we just did with Philippians. This one I'm going to have us look at. This is in Ephesians chapter 1, so you can go ahead and flip over in the New Testament almost all the way to the end of your scriptures. Ephesians chapter 1, if you're not following along on the screen. Ephesians 1 verse 16, listen to... Paul here as he addresses the church in Ephesus, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, and this is what he prays, this is what he prays for the church in Ephesus, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. And then he explains what he means there, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may what? That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, comma, and he goes on in the longest sentence ever in the scriptures. But if we could just pause here and go, what, what, what was the prayer? What was Paul's prayer for the Ephesians? Well, that the eyes of their heart may be enlightened, that they would know. And I think that's what David's getting at here in Psalm 13. God, I'm feeling this way, but God, could you reveal any lies I'm believing and shower me with the truth of who I am and who you are that I might know the truth. Let's continue here. So we have a condition, we have the cry, and this last part here, verses five and six, this is, this is what we would consider to be the resolution, so to speak. Not every psalm of lament has this, but many do this resolution or this consolation. Let's read it. Verse 5. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Isn't that an incredible kind of resolution to this lament? What happened after David's cry and his request? Well, God seems to have answered David's prayer for an enlightenment, for light to be shown onto the darkness, for truth to begin to surface in the midst of whatever he was working through here. What happened after David's cry and request? Well, God seemed to have, seems to have answered David's prayer. 
we need to ask, well, how does the Lord answer David's request? Do we see evidence of the Lord changing David's circumstance? And I would say no. Curiously enough, that's not even what David asked for. In this this psalm of lament, did you ever see necessarily David saying, God, would you change my circumstance? Not exactly. Curious that that's not what David asked for, that God would change his circumstance. There's nothing wrong with asking for God to change your circumstance. That's not implied here in the scriptures either. But let's just be honest here. That's not what David asked for. He asked for enlightenment, that his eyes would be enlightened to truth in light of the way he was feeling. David asked for truth to be revealed. And how would God answer? This is amazing. When we get down here to the consolation, when we get down here to the end, this resolution, how would God answer David's prayer that truth would come to the top, that he might know truth? It appears that the Lord answers David's prayer for truth and light by pointing to some very specific truths. Look at this, verse 5. But I have trusted in your steadfast love or your loving kindness. Scholars will sometimes tie this to the word grace. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation, the salvation that you've given me. That's where my heart will rejoice. And then he says what he's going to do. It's his action. He's going to sing to the Lord. We'll talk about that in a second. So from the top, David lays out his condition, how he feels. David cries out honestly to the Lord for truth, for revelation. Then God answers by pointing David, get this, to the steadfast love and salvation that can come by him and him alone, God alone. And if we can begin to step into application this morning, I would ask, what, what is your lament? What is your condition, so to speak? As David laid out his condition, the way he felt, maybe you need to hear the freedom that in seeing the importance that in humility laying that before the Lord, what you feel like your condition is. And in light of your condition, what's your humble cry to the Lord? What is it? Well, if it's this, maybe, maybe David tips us off as to what our cry to the Lord could be. Lord, would you enlighten the eyes of my heart that I might see truth in the midst of maybe some lies the enemy has thrown in front of me? We know from other scriptures that the things that David was feeling are, are, are not true, like in the sense of, God, you've abandoned me. And he's voicing that, but yet we know from the scriptures that God does not abandon his children. And so David needed to be pointed back to some truth here that would inform his feeling. And right there in the midst of your lament, may the Spirit point you back to the finished work of Christ. If we're looking at what's going on here, where the Lord pointed David 
back to his steadfast love for him, and back to the joy of his salvation. And so maybe we're pointed back to the finished work of Christ this morning, right in the middle of whatever lament you have going on. Whatever your lament is, whatever your condition is, whatever your cry is, and as you cry out for truth, maybe this morning he's saying, hey, remember what I've done for you. Remember who I am. That when you doubt his love and compassion for you, which honestly that may be where some of you are, right? You doubt his love and compassion for you, maybe you'd be reminded of the fact that Christ went to the cross for you. That's how you know his love and compassion. And maybe in your lament, you doubt his power this morning. God, are you really even powerful enough to even change any scenario or or change any circumstance? Are you really powerful enough to be the God I need you to be for me right now? When you doubt his power, maybe you'd be reminded of the salvation made possible not only by the death of Christ, but also by the resurrection of Christ, his power being put on display. And maybe in your lament, when you doubt his closeness, maybe that's the most common one. God, where are you? You feel a million miles away. When you doubt his closeness, May you be reminded as a believer, he tells you that through his spirit, he will always be with you. Love another Psalm 139. You don't have to turn there. It won't be on the screen or anything, but Psalm 39, the psalmist asks in reflection, "Where, where, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I even flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. And if I make my bed in the depths, you're there. Some scholars say even the psalmist here is not even so much pointing to physical realms, but he's also referring to the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. God, on my best day, you're there. God, on my worst day, you're there. Where could I even run that your spirit is not there? So maybe as you doubt his closeness, you're reminded of the promise of his presence as a believer. Church, may we find a place in our individual lives and the life of our church family for biblical lament before the Lord that then we might give him space to enlighten our eyes to the truth of who he is and what he's already accomplished for us. We're going to spend some time in prayer and maybe... I gave us permission, I believe, through the word to lament earlier, right? Some of us just need that permission to kind of walk through what would typically be the outline of a lament of expressing what you feel like your condition is to the Lord and then crying out to him and then allowing him to speak truth into the darkness. So I'm going to give us some time to pause and pray, just have some quiet, really, and let you express some of these things. And if, as always, in a group this size, we're always all over the map here. Some of you will be like, well, uh, lamenting was last year for me. I'm okay this year. I'm not in lament right now. Then maybe if we're a church family that you take this moment and pray for those who are in a real season or time of lament, right? But we don't just write off and go, ah, this sermon's not for me. Sermon's for other people. Okay. 
maybe you pray for them, right, in this moment. If you're not in a season or don't have a heart of lament presently. And there's always the high possibility that lament is in your future, right? Whether it's next week or next month. So maybe in preparation, if you're not in that season right now, you go, Lord, I'm not in that season right now, but would you speak to me through your word this morning that I would be prepared the next time I hit a real season or moment of lament? Let's go to him in prayer. Maybe you take a few moments and lay your condition before him. Feelings and all. By his spirit may it be in some kind of sense of humility before the Lord. Maybe in your season of lament, you've overlooked the simplicity of crying out to the Lord. And maybe right now, you, between you and him, you do cry out to the Lord. And you say, Lord, this is, this is where I am. Lord, would you enlighten the eyes of my heart? Would you shine light in the darkness? Because there's a lot of it right now. And then maybe by his spirit, through his word this morning, he begins to remind you there's a great compassion that's displayed on the cross, that, that he's done something miraculous, and he's displayed his power through the resurrection, and you're reminded of his body broken for you, his blood shed for you. So, Lord, I pray that as we spend time together this morning around the communion table, Lord, celebrating your, your body broken, your blood shed for us, Lord, would you remind us of truth right in the midst of how we feel? Lord, we love you. We pray these things in your name alone. Amen.